Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 179, episode four of The Daily Zeitgeist, a ah! production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Whoa. Thursday. It is April 8th. It is 2021. Mm. Uh, my name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. the Jaws Father, a.k.a. Miles rips a bong, Jack pounds a deuce. Somewhere along they read the news and they'll podcast for you all night. Now you know how to daily zite. Uh, that is courtesy of the official dickhead. Wow. And I'm thrilled. To be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. It's Miles Gray, a.k.a. Emil Smith, rolling up a fatty. And if, for those of y'all that know who I'm talking about, you know. And shout out to you. For those who don't, don't worry about it. But he may just be Arsenal's greatest talent, homegrown talent. Maybe he'll get the number 10 shirt. Maybe Martin Odegaard does. We don't know yet. But what we like what we see. And shout out to BRXXXCK on the discord for that one we're all on our edge of on the edge of our seats to see yeah. if he gets that number that, 10 jersey the number 10 shirt <laughs> will he get it is that that's a big like a deal position. whether he were oh okay the number 10 shirt it's not like whether he gets to wear number 10 well uh, it is and it's like it means a couple things it'll usually mean like your most technically gifted player like that your star ooh. player will wear the 10 because Pele made the number 10 famous and then Maradona wore number 10 and Ronaldinho oh, wow. wore that. So 10 is like the number for like your for that dude. Messi wears 10 Got it. now. So because of that, I think when also just like normally the posi- your number co- coincided with your position. So one was the keeper, two was the right back, three was the left back, and Got 10 it. was sort of your playmaker. Okay. Anyway, that's all that means. Fans of American sports, I think, will be interested to learn that because there's like a informal sort of 23 being a big number and then right. in, in the NBA, uh, 33 for a center and then football, like it vaguely corresponds, but then you, you have some gray area in there. Aren't there like some receivers that'll wear 10 in the NFL? Yeah. Or like where it's like numbers in the tens, it's less prescribed. You can go 88 all the way down to, I feel like Ocho Cinco. 88 was. if you're blowing those lines up, like hey. Michael Irvin, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, well, Miles, we are uh, fortunate, thrilled to mm-hmm. be joined uh, in our third seat uh, by one of the funniest dudes out there doing it. He is the hilarious, the talented Stephen Wilbur! Wilby! A.K.A. The Ginger Ale Kid, a.k.a. I'm the Steven. Ooh. Now let's talk about some anime, gents. <laughs> I'm ready, good, man. Anime, that's what's good. You, you, you guys catch that JoJo JoJo Part Six announcement? Oh boy, we're ready to dive into that stone ocean <laughs> with bated breath. With bated breath. <laughs> Uh, Steven, the last time we saw you, we were in person. No, he's been on since the oh, pandemic. All right. Well, that's right. Yes. Very like forgettable, once. your last appearance. Uh, it time before that, we saw you. I was uh, talking about how I how I beefed it real hard that last time. <laughs> Don't remember that at all. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, there, there was a guest recently who had been on before, and uh, I 
fully went into it assuming they had not been and really yeah my brain just doesn't work anymore no no offense to literally anyone my brain just doesn't work apologies to trying, blake wexler know. yes yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that guy that joker that pack of cards oh man tell me about it uh steven where, where are you coming to us from i'm coming to you live from scenic louisville kentucky all right, hey, the, the home of the, the cards. <laughs> yeah, home of the cards. Home of the uh, home of the Kroger, the Kentucky Derby. Home of the Slugger. Yeah, UPS is yeah. Ch- is chili Coney culture in Northern Kentucky too, like it is like in Co- Cincinnati. Like Coney twenty twelve. Yes, <laughs> yeah, Coney twenty twelve. Uh-huh. Are people huge on that? And you know, like Gold Star, Skyline, Chili. Oh, there is one. That's the chili on the spaghetti, right? Yeah. yeah or you have it on a hot dog, you know, depending on you want two way, three way. Whoa. On, what do I look like? Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> 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 yeah, I think it's big. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't had it. Oh, that's my favorite regional food over there. <laughs> too many carbs for me. Sorry. <laughs> but Louisville's a pretty cool city, right? It's, it's pretty. It's pretty. I'll give yeah. it that. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty? What's the, what's like yeah. the what's the scenic aspects of Louisville? A lot of cemeteries. Yeah. Oh uh, yes. Yeah. But like haunted. A uh, lot of greenery. Uh, parks. Yeah. Ripe. Ripe with foliage. Yes. It's okay. it's just now all like all coming in. Winter winter was kind of poo poo. Like it it looked a little stinky around here. Well, language. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> Watch your fucking mouth. I can hear iHeartRadio knocking your door down right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. We've got the poo-poo filter uh, where we just press a button anytime we can sense a poo-poo coming on. And then actually what it does is it forces the conversation into nothing but scat talk as well. It's (laughs) the unfortunate side effect of the poo filter. That is something that has been uh, afflicting our podcast of of late, Stephen, is that we just get into... uh, uh, a subject related to poo poo and cannot get off, uh, but we'll we'll try to avoid that here with well, you. Well, I am the scat man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> as we heard, you know, and whether it's scatting via you know oral verbal scatting and the jazz standards and the traditions set forth by the great Kim Cattrall, uh, right. or yourself or Scatman Carruthers, um, yeah. you know, get you a man who can do both. Yes, yes. thank you. Uh, all right, Stephen, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about today, such as we'll talk about something called hygiene theater. Uh, we'll talk about uh, how we should be preparing for the next pandemic, why Canada's vaccine rollout sucks so bad. This is just blatant uh, pandering to the American audience who have had nothing to gloat about uh, for for I mean, years. still. <laughs> yeah, even still, but I mean, come on, we we gotta get it where we can. We'll talk about Matt Gates's uh, requests towards the end of the Trump administration for blanket pardons, and you know the new context in which we can view those ketchup shortages. We'll talk about uh, how to take care of yourself after you've been vaccinated. We might even talk about some some Hollywood goss, uh, all of that, plenty more. But first, Stephen. You know we like to ask our guest what is something you from know. your search history that's revealing about who you are. Uh, feces. Um, <laughs> right. What is it? <laughs> what is it? Fecus. I don't know. I saw this word. F e c e s. 
Lately, I've just been trying to find a vintage Marge Simpson t-shirt that isn't $100. Wow. Because mm. the Barts, I'm assuming, are uh, the market is flooded with Barts, but not a lot of margin. Well, I love a good, you want to get the, the bootleg Barts. Those are great. Like yeah. 49ers Bart and stuff, or Jamaican Bart. Like, those, yeah. those are gold. But I just, I want a Marge. I like yeah. Marge. Yeah. <laughs> Marge yeah, you can't even find like a bootleg one because what you're talking about, you're just do you follow that bootleg Simpsons account on IG? That's all like bootleg Simpsons merch. Yeah, that they just post. It's so funny. Like they're the ones like from Freak Nick '93. I'm like, <laughs> I love seeing Black Bart Simpson. But yeah, Marge, well, you, you can't find like even a you know. A fake well, I want you want a bootleg Bart, but I want a real Marge. You know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Interesting. Did you did y'all see that one TikTok video? Daniel shared it with me of that one comedian, or she just has a TikTok account, but she does like Marge Simpson voice so well. The title of it is "If Marge Simpson Was in the Godfather Instead of Marlon Brando." Have you seen that clip? <laughs> no. Oh my no. god! Hold on, I'm gonna play it for y'all because it's so fucking funny. Is it Julie Kavner? <laughs> no, it's at Slow Puke on TikTok, and just just watch this clip really quick. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's that yeah. exceeded that, that, expectations. <laughs> yeah. I never thought something as simple, but yeah. We, we need that. Give me that bootleg shirt as Don Corleone, Marge Corleone. Oh, my God. That is. Uh... That is, that is art. My boy. <laughs> it's the my boy that that bridges the two worlds. You know, yeah. Ugh, love to see it. The Simpsons did one of those Sopranos uh, mock, like uh, <laughs> yeah things, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. like an opening. Yeah, they did. Uh, not well, they not did, an opening. They did do. An I'm opening. sure they didn't do an opening. The uh, woke up this morning with March driving around from the uh, right. grocery store. But no, I meant like, remember, there was that really uh, influential Sopranos, like, I, I think it was like a billboard or like a magazine. Like a black and white photo. Oh, yeah, Johnny yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, like yeah. Hit one family on one side and the other family on the other. Right. Yes. And then I'm I think looking at it every right now. TV show had to had to do a a take on that. How many are you a uh, do you have a Simpsons tea for like every day of the week? Are you, is that kind of... That's what I'm trying to amass right now. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I'm at a, I'm at a solid zero. (laughs) Oh, wait, no. I I just, I just got this one. Uh, Great, great audio. Uh, (laughs) Is that an Akira Milhouse shirt? Yeah, Bart Kira. It's like a... (laughs) And Milhouse is just being like shot to pieces on that shirt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Wow. I'm glad we can get it, some anime talking here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is something you think is overrated? Dog clothes. But okay. not because it's just clo- uh, clothes for dogs, but the that they put the front of the clothes on the back of the dog, mm-hmm. I, oh. I think is unacceptable and should not <laughs> be allowed in fashion. Really? So you're saying like if it were like a tuxedo, the the lapels and stuff are on the back. So you they can put the see, lapels so it's on visibly the back. like a tuxedo. Yeah. You're like, nobody was this dog in crisscross? No, this is for the yeah. 
<laughs> this was is Mac Daddy or Daddy Mac? Which 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 one are you, sir? I want my dog to look like Christopher Cross, not Chris Cross. Okay, he's <laughs> <laughs> wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, what the, the fuck, fuck is that? Why do they do that? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I understand it, why they do it, but... right. Well, it's made, It's for you, then. Right. Yeah, right. It's not for the dog. It's no, not these for clothes when are the, dog the dog walks into the club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what the fuck? What, then we need... I mean, until we can train our dogs to be bipeds, you know, right. unfortunately, that's just where fashion is going to be for them, um, right. which maybe will motivate them to pick up bipedal motion um, as a species. Because the perks are prayers. better fashion options. Okay. I think that's that's an open and shut case right there. My old dog, Miles, could walk on two feet for a pretty pretty long period of time. Uh, and it was, Really? Yeah, it kind of freaked people out. Wait, we how, like you would be like, all right, Miles, let's go. And he's just like, yeah. bet. Well, you had to, you had to like kind of have something above <laughs> his head. <laughs> right. Yeah, it wasn't like Ed 209 shit. It was just, uh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh, bipedal like mode engaged. Hopping. Yeah. Oh, um, I saw, there was a video of like, I think it was, I saw it on Reddit, like a cat or a dog that was raised in like with a bunch of meerkats or some shit. Mm-hmm. So it learned to just stand on his hind legs because. Yeah. In its younger in its younger days, it used to stand on its legs, but around these other meerkats, and it was just very casually had this upright vibe that was kind of startling to to look at. But, yeah, sounds like no meerkat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was a dog, like I said. <laughs> oh, now you've done it, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, Jack, uh, yeah. can we go off mic really quick just to talk about this guy? Real quick? <laughs> what the fuck is this guy's deal, man? What the fuck is this? Yeah, I just went off mic and read me to filth. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's also a video of a dog that is missing its front two legs and walks around on its back legs, and I'm sure everyone's seen that, but it yeah. is uncanny and troubling, uh, to say the least. Uh, what is something you think is underrated, Stephen? I don't know if you remember when this happened because i don't i think it probably within the past 10 years but somebody thought to put a little reservoir in the laundry detergent bottle like Uh at the at the top where the nozzle is there's the now like a little like hole where the excess core flow into yeah the excess can drip back into the bottle and it's just like give that person a macarthur whoever whoever thought of that (laughs) genius grant out yeah. the gate. So it's like a little moat around the is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah, normally in the there there used to be just straight moats. So after you pour the detergent in the the washing machine, you put the cap back on, and like a lot of it just stays in that reservoir. But then somebody right, decided the edge, to put a yeah. put a hole there so it all drips down and it's like mamma mia. Yeah, <laughs> we're not wasting detergent because yeah the, i remember back in the day like my childhood idea of a laundry detergent bottle was it just cascading down the sides of the bottle oh, yeah, yeah. and then we got the moat which only half solved it and now we're fully into the restorative return funnel of the top of a laundry detergent bottle unless you're using pods or some shit yeah hopefully we can put a man on the moon next yeah <laughs> Hopefully, maybe uh, the next up, maybe Medicare for all. That's the hope. <laughs> if we can solve that problem, maybe we can, may or maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Tide will lead the way on that. You guys pod people? You fuck with pods? Dude, podding is my whole life, bro. Right. 
My, oh, you mean detergent pods? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, uh, oh yeah, that too. Popular party drug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have. It, it all depends. I, it like, if I'm at a store, I've, 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 I've used, I've bought both in the last year. Right. The one I like is the one that has oxy in it because I like to use OxyClean. You know, keep my my mm-hmm. socks a little bit brighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, whatever. I don't really have a preference. For me, laundry. Mm-hmm. I go with liquid mm. dishes. Pod. Pod. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Wow, wow. Okay. See, we have no a, a reason to it. We have a dishwasher that specifically requests, like must have signed some sort of endorsement deal mm-hmm. way up the line, specifically requests a platinum cascade pod. Or cascade pod. Yeah. Please, Mr. O'Brien. <laughs> Sir, what the fuck? What Feed is this me shit? Good stuff. <laughs> Stop mistreating me. And it it it's like not equipped to use it. It like the the pod doesn't fully dissolve when you wash it. It's a real. Wait, it's te- it's a cornering it's asking, you. It's like I must use this, and then it and you're like, fine, asshole, here. And, and it's then you just have like a bunch of uh, dehydrated plastic after you run dishes Get through the. the it's like the kid who here. begs his mom for the large fry. Like, yeah. no, I can finish it. Yeah, uh-huh. you can't. You had three, and you have a bellyache. All right, asshole. That's why. That's why you don't get the thicker holder. It's only the ones that come in the paper holder, the little itty bitty fried. Right. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, fuck my dishwasher. I guess. Have you tried? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's... that did uh, actually that uh, no, I think it nullified your warranty, right? Which is right. <laughs> that's what never... my wife said. Uh, and. You know, you just assumed it would morph into the Maytag guy. (laughs) (laughs) I fucked the machine. I don't know. A repair person may come out in a few minutes. Uh, uh, All right. Let's take a quick break. We will be right back. And we're back. And. Uh, the CDC is getting a little catty. I think the CDC is getting a little, uh, you know, cocky, maybe mm-hmm. feeling. So they're saying enough with the hygiene theater assholes. Uh, not not in those words exactly. <laughs> uh, but they're they're basically making the point that we have now equipped all public spaces with uh, hand sanitizer leave like it's a sacred space and the hand sanitizer is candles. It's just hand sanitizer lined up everywhere you go. And they're like, but we know now, like we figured out months into the entire pandemic that fomites, the like, you know, versions of the germs that are on objects are not the way that things are getting spread. You guys know this. So this is all about Again, with the dog uh, having the front of its shirt on its back, this is all about how it makes you feel. Not, mm-hmm. it's not for the the virus uh, and the actual right. safety of the people around you. It's just about making you feel safe. I wonder if uh, there's a correlation between seeing someone in a hazmat suit, like pressure spray a seat down before you sit in it, that makes you feel like you don't need to wear a mask. You know oh, what I mean? Like sure, what the yeah. relationship is of hygiene theater versus relative like recklessness because of hygiene theater but also i think i mean it's like kind of an interesting thing too because it's a lot of it was good advice in the beginning and then i think maybe whatever businesses took it to a certain point to have customers feel good 
Yeah. But I mean, I know personally, if I saw a guy in a hazmat suit pressure wash a bench and was like, all good, you can sit down now. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be like, mm, no thanks. I'd be like, thank you, sir. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for your service because I would feel bad that he had to go, come to work right. in that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, now, now it seems like we don't even have to do that. Because uh, what's like the the transmission rate was something really low, like one in ten thousand possibly. Yeah, they think could it's have not, been from surfaces. Like as they looked into you know super spreader events and like the dynamics and who caught it from who, uh, it just seems like it's almost exclusively airborne. Um, right, and this this jerk uh, Jose Luis Jimenez who is apparently an atmospheric chemist, whatever the fuck that is, uh-huh. was saying that if we took half the effort that's being given to disinfection and we put it on ventilation, that would be a huge shift. Uh, mm. People would be getting less sick. Yeah, but you can't see clean air. You can't see clean air. Exactly. You Thank can see you. people cleaning their hands. Yes. But you can't see. That's why the happening didn't go well. <laughs> that's, right. that's why that movie was a flop yeah. or you have like human powered ventilation systems for people to connect the dots like oh yeah those people are on those bikes to help ventilate and that's the new equivalent because i can see that i can right. see the work being done now i feel better but yeah we just get the just clean the fucking air man. yeah or get really loud ventilation systems that have like a voice that's like ventilation on engaging yeah i don't know all right, Miles, you've been putting in some thought uh, into, and by that I mean you read a New York Magazine article. Yeah, uh, like about this is a podcast, <laughs> so I'll, what I do is I will read a thing, process it, and then be like, you know what I read recently? <laughs> <laughs> do not appreciate that impression of me, but no. go ahead. That was, I, I don't was know Andy who Rooney. that was. It was like, yeah, it was like Andy <laughs> Rooney mixed with Tucker Carlson and Leno. Uh-huh. You yeah. know, I think all together it was like yeah. the delivery. You guys seen mm-hmm. So- There's a piece in New York Magazine that sort of lays out the timeline for how we got this current crop of vaccines, Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson, et cetera. And they were all assembled around January 13th of 2020. And trials began about a month later. Just to read an excerpt from this article, quote, in Massachusetts, the Moderna vaccine design took all of one weekend. It was completed before China had even acknowledged that the disease could be transmitted from human to human more than a week before the first confirmed coronavirus case in the United States. By the time the first American death was announced a month later, the vaccine had already been manufactured and shipped to the National Institutes of Health for the beginning of its phase one clinical trial. Hmm. So meaning we had the vaccines the whole time. Like, while but, people were dying. Yeah. Yes. And that's not to say, like, yo, what the fuck? We had the vaccine the whole time? <laughs> it's more right. about, like, obviously, yes, there needs to be safety. Uh, the safety and efficacy studies are massively important. Because even if you have something like 1% reactions that that could have been fatal in, in the United States, that would have been 3 million people dead off the vaccine. So right. on some level, like, yes, we need to exercise caution. But this whole article sort of raises the question, like, could we have done things differently given the fact that we had we like we were kind of getting ahead of it. We had it and we were trying to test it like China. They were already vaccinating their military in June of 2020. Russia began rolling out their vaccine in August. And there is definitely a sense of like risk avoidance that's healthy. But when you also consider like the FDA was authorizing things like hydroxychloroquine and remdesivir, 
um, right. like through emergency authorizations. And they were totally ineffective. And in the, for in the case of hydroxychloroquine, actually very harmful. It makes you wonder, like, how how can we be um, a little bit more aggressive with how we're trying to roll things out or get ahead of it? And maybe it's at least partial because I, I always go back to this article where somebody used the like crash analysis, like how, when how they explain air crashes after the fact and like look at every system that contributed to the crash and then like do a dive into like so how do we prepare or how do we keep these from happening next time and it was like so much of what they found was just like preventable trump administration shit right and even just like going to that like the fact that we got these late night infomercial cures out to the public before yeah. we got the actual vaccines it's like maybe maybe we don't elect a, a scam artist yeah and not to say like you know it it, it should have or absolutely could have been rolled out early i mean i think a lot of people will be asking questions given the amount of people who passed away yeah but i think that's where a lot of like in the science community they're really trying to take this as like they're you know a, this one person who, who was sort of commenting on the article was saying like the difference between what war warfare looked like in 1938 versus what it looked like in 1948 and right. knowing like you got to go through some shit like this to really figure out like oh we're absolute like we actually need to completely rearrange things and so one of the big things is like right now um there's a vaccine scientist at mount sinai hospital who's saying when you look at these pandemics or illnesses that go from animal to human like in terms of transmission there are only a small number of ways for that to happen and influenza and coronavirus are the pretty much the biggest contributors so there's a way to get ahead of it um, and this expert was saying, quote, you could address most of the risk of new pandemics by mapping and prepping vaccines for between 50 and 100 viruses. He says you could have banked vaccines for all of them at a cost between one and three billion dollars and saying if you just have these you know, 50 to 100 uh, virus vaccines, you can get ahead of it, start doing efficacy testing, safety testing, and then do with what we're doing now, which is sort of try and fine tune it based on like, you know, now the pharmaceutical companies are trying to figure out booster shots to keep up with mutations. So at least if we have the groundwork done very quickly, then we can sort of, we can skip ahead to the steps that we really need to make the vaccine like tailor made to whatever illness is out there. So it's just like a very, it's a lot to think about, but these are things that I had not really understood because for the longest time it was like, we're waiting for a vaccine until we find the vaccine knowing it was that we were just trying to make sure yeah that it was as safe as possible while many people uh, passed away. But when you look at a lot of, you know, like polio or other vaccines, they typically come at the end of the, you know, the cycle of the outbreak. Right. Um, and this is, yeah, I would unfortunately, hope so. this is a moment like that. I mean, versus like one they could like sort of stop in its tracks being like polio. What? Oh, talk. No, we call that no Leo now with this vaccine. <laughs> no, it's going to take a little bit of time, but yeah. A lot nice to Jonas about. Salk quote there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Salk in the building. <laughs> no, Leo. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it. It is. I think I think people I, I'm definitely surprised to learn that they basically had the vaccine the whole the whole time and we're just testing it to to like I, I had some sense that, that was true, but I didn't realize that it was like locked in. Like how how many of the vaccines that they tested were like did have negative 
re- reactions. I wonder, you know, like yeah, that I mean, yeah, they say that that process saved us from, but well, the the testing is necessary, you know, figuring out if it's safe. I think I think we could have done a lot of things like in um, adjacent departments, you know, logistics, mm-hmm. uh, how we're going to distribute it. Like I think that could have all been. Mm-hmm. planned sooner and while yeah. it, there was a, a long timetable before the the vaccine got approved like we could have been better prepared to to actually ship it out and get it to people yeah. i think this kind of goes along with even th- like the last story of hygiene theater is that it's also important for the science community to be as transparent yeah. as possible too because you don't want to read some shit like they knew in January of 2020, like what right. the vaccine was. And it's not that they knew, but it, they were working on it very quickly. But there's also something to saying like, yeah, like we had to make sure next time this is like what's going to happen or saying like, hey, we know we said spray everything the fuck down. We realize, you know, this is actually what's going on, because I think that's also I think there are people who are willing to just trust the science community and others where a little bit more work has to be done because they're not as you know, focused on what it means, the process is of research where it's like more like the scientists are like, Hey, we're the ones doing the work way out ahead. So right. in the process, we, we learn shit and we realize some other shit we thought was true. Isn't that's just the scientific method. But I think allowing for like that sort of transparency would just kind of also help build more trust. Not that I'm like, I'm completely skeptical now, but I think that's an important thing for the science community. I think they're also coming to grips with that idea as well of saying like there were things we got wrong there were things we didn't know and what can we also say like how can we communicate these things clearly so people understand where we're coming from in our research yeah i think anytime you're doing this abstract thing where or anytime you're doing this messaging thing where you're viewing the population is this abstract, like, kind of herd of animals that you have to, like, get this messaging, you know, hide certain things and reveal certain things. I, th- I, I think that that is based on the myth that undergirds, like, all of American society, which is this, like, elitism that's like, well, only the people who went to Ivy League schools can uh, be in Handle charge of Handle what we'd say. Right. And so right. we have to be the only ones who know it. And it's... It's actually just like a self-justifying like bullshit, you know, it's a way to kind of keep the logic of American capitalism intact. And it's it's actually really harmful. Like it people, if you tell the truth, just like tell the people what what is actually happening, like you're going to have much better results. But it, it just seems like that. Doing that is like it undercuts everything they want tell the, want to believe and tell themselves about like how uh, elitism works. I th- I think there's a a fine line too between like encouraging you know best practices and then going overkill with that sort of paranoia of hand sanitizer in every corner because the more like the more visible that stuff is and the more everybody. Th- shoves down your throat hey wipe down all your groceries Mm -hmm. wash your hand like that's gonna cause so much burnout right yeah when when we are all vaccinated and (laughs) there hasn't been any new cases people are gonna be like well fuck hand sanitizer for the rest of my life right there was that point (laughs) 
there's a point early on and even the hygiene theater piece kind of from the AP talks about this, that like they got it wrong at first. They were like, wipe your groceries down. Don't waste masks if you're not a, you know, a frontline worker. And then at a certain point, they were like, oh, shit, we got that totally wrong. But yeah, there wasn't that. Oh, shit, we got that. Like that should have been the headline on The New York Times. Oh, shit, we had it totally wrong. Like we acknowledge that we're figuring this out as we go. And like just not putting that right out in front and like assuming that you were handling like it's this like whole PR thing. It's like, well, how do we message that we got it totally wrong? It's like, just say you got it wrong and that we're like now fixing that we're reacting to new information and just assume that people can fucking deal with that uh because anytime you're like hiding it or soft pedaling it or like doing something some sort of like jujitsu with the with the facts it opens it up to you know the other side the trump administration being able to manipulate shit and actually lie about it it's because they treat us like kids yeah so it's like how your parents only tell you some shit about drugs growing up and you're right. like, oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. And then you start getting around. You're like, man, they didn't know shit about what the fuck were they talking about? Because <laughs> they were just trying to protect you or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I think that similar relationship of like not giving everybody the truth and being like, well, we need to say this in order to sort of keep this certain behavior up also isn't a good relationship to have with like the mat, like, you know, the masses and the science community. Not to say that it's all bad because, yeah, I get it. Like, they also don't want to undermine themselves by unfortunately saying, like, we got that wrong. And right. because un- because they know that will, t- in some people's eyes, undermine their expertise, while other people who, you know, understand what experimentation works and research is that it's something that's evolving um, yeah. over time. It could have also been a straight up priority thing. Like, they were like, well, let them have their hand sanitizer. We're too busy telling people not to drink bleach <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> yeah there weren't a lot of great options early on because <laughs> then i guess it's like a parent who's like okay we have our one kid we really love who's smart and gets it knows what science is then we got that other fucking kid right who if we get one thing wrong they're going to be eating tide pods again right so we got to split the difference and just give blanket guidance that we know if they follow this at the very least that will mitigate some sort of transmission risk but yeah yeah it's tough i'm sure there's legal liabilities that are like beyond our understanding but like that's just a it's the our culture like th- things like that have become so complex that it's just like we we do at at a certain point just be like tell tell people the truth they can they can deal with it yeah but even though we're in a post truth era it's like fuck right. no truth right. <laughs> but i mean this seems like one where it was pretty clear cut like in terms of the the pandemic and like what just like get get the information to people in as quickly and as in and in as straightforward a manner as possible. Yeah. Um, or they like could could frame it in a different way rather than saying like, hey, we were whoops. wrong about this. Like, right. like, guess what? Due to new information, we've got yeah. we're announcing fuck hand sanitizer day. Yeah. Or just saying <laughs> throw, or throw your hand sanitizer. I think the bit. difference is not saying right or wrong and using right. that binary, but you're learning. 
Right. You're, yeah. We are learning. We have been struck with an, a virus that has not been known to us, and we are learning about it as time goes on. We have now learned that the initial analysis that we thought that there could be surface transmission is actually it's OK now. That's what we have learned now. Uh, are, are you guys going to be masked people going forward? Like uh, when you fly on an airplane, are you going to bring a mask, rock a mask? I feel like I'm going to be masks yeah. from here on out. Well, what do you mean? Like yeah. why? Like, oh, just because like thinking that the pandemic is over, therefore cast your masks off. Yeah. And be yeah. free. Yeah. Oh, but, no. I mean, I just think it seems like good practice. Yeah. On an airplane, given that. There are mutations all over the place. I get sick every single time I fly. Like that's right. Exactly. And like, I think the few times I get like, I've been gotten really sick. It's been from air travel. Right. Yeah. Um, So, and I'm like, what do I need a mask for? Meanwhile, there's like someone just with a, whose fever sweat is like getting all over the back of my head. And I'm like, "Eh." yeah. One other kind of way that uh, vaccine response is being complicated uh, that we're, we're seeing in Canada. Um, so Canada is actually to our, our writer, uh, J.M. McNabb is, uh, you know, lives in Canada and for most of the, uh, Not just pandemic, that, he's Canadian. Yeah. Lives in Canada. <laughs> and Miles, I don't want to out him. You like don't want to admit him. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Okay. How do I say this? He's, he's located in Canada. He's a, his, his physical he's a, location is Canada. How do I say uh, this? He's like a Blue Jays fan, if you catch my drift. <laughs> <laughs> um, smells Friends of maple. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but he's pointing out that, like, the tables have turned uh of late and now the cdc has issued a level four travel advisory warning uh people from the u.s to stay the fuck out of canada and a big part of the reason is because of just a really fucked vaccine rollout uh and it's also like he doesn't explicitly call this out but there seems to be a lot of ways in which like they suffer from some of the same issues we have where, um, you know, they used to have these big factories uh, in the seventies that would have been great at producing vaccines and just like getting things off the ground. And then they, because they didn't like make money during non pandemic years, sell it off, sold it it off off to foreign companies. (laughs) And like, now they don't have factories to make vaccines and it's just all, you know, We've seen this. The tale as old as time. Yeah. The logic of letting international markets fucking run your entire, like every aspect of your culture, like it doesn't work out so well uh, when your society is hit with a big, like unexpected pandemic. It's it's also like unfortunate too, because for all the things that as Americans are like, oh man, like fuck yeah, Canada, like do that shit. Like, you know, set the prices of drugs, you know, like, so it's not, you're not, people aren't getting gouged that like oh, also yeah, unfortunately yeah. had the, the <laughs> fucking, the effect of pharmaceutical companies being like, I don't, we don't want to fuck with Canada. Cause they're all like trying to advocate for their people. So yeah. it was like, because that's of exactly that, right. yeah, it's just like a really fucked up relationship <laughs> where that's where, you know, big pharma will sort of lash out because you're trying to ensure equitable outcomes for your citizens. Yeah, that's right. I don't look forward to that 
I told you so finger wag from people against universal healthcare. Right. Same <laughs> what happened right. with Canada. See? Yeah. <laughs> Trudeau pitched the idea of manufacturing the Pfizer vaccine in Canada, but the company wanted to move as fast as the speed of science would allow. Uh, and Canada lacked the necessary capacity to manufacture the vaccine uh, in quantities. I mean, it's it's basically what we said before, because they had factories that weren't profitable and didn't, you know, stay in business. Yeah. Uh, through the 70s and 80s. I mean, yeah, it's just like it, it, it has so many layers uh of the ills of our modern world on it too where you can if you're a uh progressive person you'd be like oh yeah oh what the fuck that <laughs> ah, what the fuck big pharma which i think is the the cry of most people on this planet uh, and then just kind of underlining the fact that even a huge nation like canada then becomes dependent on these like external providers of the vaccine and how that can exacerbate their vaccine rollout and just us in the U.S. being like, no, we're keeping all the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yum, also- yum, 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 yum. Mm. <laughs> Potentially, that's, I mean, which is also another very American sense. Fuck everybody else. It's ours. Although yeah. we did, we did loan them some vaccines, I think was the word. That yeah, we- they just have to give it back to us. Give, <laughs> give the vaccines back. back to us okay, after they're done with how us. How does that Spit in this bowl later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take another quick break and we'll be right back to talk some Matt Gates, the subject that keeps on giving. Lock the gates! And we're back. And all right, so more continues to be revealed about uh, Matt Gates and his you know, what what his time in power has been like. And people are now taking a second look at how he was behaving towards the end of the Trump administration, uh, specifically when the only thing that anybody really cared about uh, within the Trump orbit was whether they were going to get pardoned, uh, because that's, you know, for that's what? where they were. Like, uh, well, that's <laughs> a great question. Yeah, some people were like, yeah, I think so. It just looks... It's as it's almost as if he knew what was going. He almost it's as if he knew the person he was and the liability uh, that right. he faced. Because two weeks after the the election, Gates was just out there saying like, "You got to pardon fucking everybody before the radical lefts get the radical left gets their claws in you." And it's like what? And the, Matt Gates said, "Quote: He should pardon the Thanksgiving turkey." Uh, he should pardon everyone from himself to his minis- administration officials, you know, to Joe Exotic if he has to. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> OK, so you want everyone pardoned for everything? And it, I mean, it felt like, OK, that just seems like a very normal Fox Newsy kind of take of just sort of like fear of the yeah, left trigger now. The libs. Yeah. Yeah. But then you find out uh, in this other uh, this new piece in The New York Times says, quote, in the final weeks of Mr. Trump's term, Mr. Gates sought something in return. He privately asked the White House for blanket preemptive pardons for himself and unidentified congressional allies for any crimes that may have been committed. Oh, but like if they download Avengers, 
like <laughs> they, they torrent it. Or, right, 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 right. That's probably <laughs> what he had on mind. It's almost like he uh, knew that he had committed these crimes. Almost. I mean, like, according to you know of the timeline of this investigation, it may have. It sounds like it may have began sometime in the summer of 2020. So he may have known. He may have been sweating for quite a bit of time. And when you just sort of look at his behavior throughout Trump's term, it really kind of looks like. Because you're like, damn, Matt Gaetz is doing the fucking most right now just to get on his good side. Although everyone was like, yeah, he's probably racist like all of them. Yeah, probably that too. But also a sycophant who had like eyes on something maybe down the road to really align himself with Trump. Because if you remember, he threatened Michael Cohen um, and like they referred it to the Florida bar because they're like, uh, this is witness intimidation. He remember he stormed the fucking skiff during the first um, impeachment hearing. Oh, uh, when there was right. a testimony yeah. going on with, with all those other idiot Congress people and they ordered pizza and shit to completely disrupt the hearing, mm-hmm. he regularly made an ass out of himself, debasing himself at the feet of Trump, which got him a lot of FaceTime. You know what I mean? Like his status came up because the like it seemed like his formula was the more I ride for Trump, the closer I'm going to get to him. And now my star is going up. And it was I think a lot of other people in Congress like, what the where'd this motherfucker come from? Right. Because he was doing a lot to get on Trump's good side. And I just wanted there's this in the New York Times article, they have an excerpt from Matt Gates's book, which I think, again, shows you just how close he wanted to be to Trump. This is from Matt Gates's book that he wrote, quote, the president has called me when I was in my car asleep in the middle of the night on my Longworth office cot on the throne uh-huh, on mm-hmm. airplanes, in nightclubs and even in the throes of passion. Yes. Mm-hmm. I answered. That's uh, important too, because that was a school night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy, Jesus Christ. I mean, like, what the fuck? This guy, I mean, he's really, I think you're seeing sort of this relationship and what he was looking for. So, yeah, it doesn't look, you don't look very innocent, sir. And now he's trying to like fundraise off of the, um, uh, like, you know, these investigations, like he's sending out to his like constituents being like the radical, like rats. a legal defense fund or just I don't even know. Like, <laughs> it doesn't even matter. It's it's going to go straight to his pocket anyway. So whatever they call it, it's just theirs. But he I mean, unless he gets uh, actually prosecuted, like it, he doesn't really have any incentive. It seems like, you know, the Cuomo playbook seems to be pretty successful like i i'm i'd be surprised if he actually steps down unless he's uh actually indicted indicted yeah, yeah. no i mean why would yeah, he? it seems like the like, same with cuomo is just gonna be like yeah what okay well yeah there's a calculus to want. it it's like if i'm if i have a certain amount of support or whatever and the alternatives don't seem as appealing then i'll just deny 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 and i'll get through the bad press and then i can still you know stay in office and be an absolute violator yeah all right let's talk about ketchup thank god finally (laughs) am i right Mm -hmm. uh we are experiencing a nationwide ketchup shortage uh which you know it makes sense i felt like it was only a matter of time because there in my opinion there's only one good brand of ketchup and you know that that creates a uh uh i'm gonna go ahead and say a bottleneck Oh wow! Where mm-hmm. uh huh? You should have tapped mm-hmm. the fifty-seven then. Yeah, I, I guess America should have tapped the fifty-seven. <laughs> but yeah, so what? Why? How is the pandemic causing? Uh, There's so many. Like, 
it's all the pandemic. Okay, so first of all, when sit-down restaurants essentially became takeout restaurants, right. that just made individual ketchup packets the go-to condiment that people right. you were sending people off with. Second, because of the precautions, even if you had some form of dining, they were saying, you know, let's avoid having shared condiment bottles on tables just to keep everything as sanitary as possible. Give people packets. Don't allow them to put their fork or knife or whatever in a ketchup bottle and then like leave that for the next customer. Mm. And to keep going. Yeah. Is robbing Uh, us of ketchup. (laughs) So there are other things because of this packet prices have gone up 13% because the demand is so high. The demand for packets was already up by 40% in July of last year. And it's only been trending upward. And a lot of restaurants have been, you know, not doing well because like you're saying, Jack, Kraft Heinz is the is it's the best ketchup oh, that yeah. we got. And um a lot of the like this research firm was saying because of that, Heinz holds nearly 70% of the market for like the ketchup market because it's just acknowledged of that. And because of its large share, that's what's fucking up like the entire condiment sort of industry when it comes to ketchup because they're the biggest one. And they're now like Heinz is full on create like in an emergency mode, creating like additional manufacturing lines to help keep up with demand. Because at the end of the day, what this all means is nobody likes Hunt's ketchup. <laughs> right? Yeah, really it just doesn't have means. that tang. So you're saying that mm-hmm. I am sitting on a gold mine in my kitchen drawer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is exactly it's what cool. my uh, Korean mother-in-law has been preparing us for for decades. <laughs> right. This uh, is a big have... one, folks. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I'll breaking glass and pulling a lever. <laughs> <laughs> the, they call uh, me bad. <laughs> <laughs> but this, it sounds very similar to what uh, caused the toilet paper shortage is that it's pretty much the same type of the same level of consumption is taking place it's just different delivery mechanisms and de- delivery uh manufacturing chains so like the the toilet paper that was in public places that were no longer open or you know public restrooms that people were no longer using all that toilet paper was no longer necessary and everybody needed you know, the take home kind. And this mm-hmm. is just basically that for ketchup. You need the the take home kind and not the public consumption kind. Yeah. But if you were a G, you were out there stealing toilet paper from public restrooms. You right. Know what I mean, yeah. You know, or if you if Doing you were your smart, part. you were taking handfuls at the burger stand getting ready. Oh, yeah. But it's Straight funny because. Pump. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing is that like a lot of companies have shifted to just like trying to buy it like just boxes of it and then putting them in smaller containers to still be able to give because it people a lot of these restaurants like there there are a few interviews like bar like sports bar tavern type places whose main you know dish is fries and burgers yeah and they're like and like this one owner was like there's no way i could have sent anything but heinz out with the food like i just in in, in, for the years that this place has been open it's always been heinz and like it was just funny also reading how like restaurant tours were like having this ideological thing of like i'm not gonna like Give people Annie's or some other weird shit. It's got to be spit on the burger, right? (laughs) Yeah, people are totally fine with. Is Pepsi okay? Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I've come to. I'm at the point now where I will just get a regular Pepsi over if they ask me if Diet Pepsi is okay. That's how much I don't like Diet Pepsi. So much worse than Diet Coke. 
I will give myself diabetes uh, over <laughs> drinking Diet Pepsi. I mean, um, yeah. Well, look, to each their own. Hunt's I still ketchup. like caffeine-free Diet Pepsi in a gold can. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. I love that flavor. Our Just lunch not like always drank that one. Like, it's called brown water. Like she, yeah. she hated the fact that she had to drink it. The gold can, though, it was like a flex to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout out Nana McMahon. You know, my friends, my homie's grandmother, who always had that in the refrigerator. I'm like, yo, this shit is popping, bro. I never had in the gold can. <laughs> but all NutraSweet. <laughs> so it does seem like we are headed for a next month or so where most pe- where the most uh, people in America are going to be getting vaccinated especially in our listener group um Mm -hmm. like i i signed up yesterday for a just to get like notified when i would be able to do it with the city of los angeles uh it seems like people are like taking those sorts of steps to be like oh wow this might actually be a reality very soon so miles you put together just like kind of some notes on based on like how people have reacted to the yeah. uh, vaccine to this point like what and just pr- in general like w- yeah because uh you know a lot of people it, like as as it just opens up you see more and more anecdotes of people have been like yo the fucking first one floored me or the second one floored me yeah i hear um, the second are, one more often but yeah and it all depends and i mean all the there's certain certain traits or whatever your physiology that uh sort of determines those things but there are just like, uh, you know, a couple things to like keep in mind. First of all, that those side effects are completely normal. So don't think like, oh my god, what's happening? It's because your body it's it's activating your immune system, and you're like downloading new software to your immune system, being like, this is this the motherfucker you're trying to protect? Meet meet COVID nineteen, and it's right. like your body just reading the dossier. So yeah, your might your body might be reacting, but you know what? That's a good sign because that means your immune system is responding. Um, but then there's other other questions like. Can you get out? Can you drink alcohol is one I think a lot of people just in general like has been out there. And yes, you can drink alcohol. There's a few uh, you can check out the articles in the footnotes. But one of these experts saying, yes, you can drink alcohol. It doesn't the vaccine does not. There's no interaction between alcohol and the vaccine itself. But also take it easy. Don't 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 also (laughs) just like go on a bend just because you can drink doesn't mean you can get fucked up. Okay, you got to take it easy because at the end of the day, your body is going through a full on process. So here's some things you should do for nausea. Get the uh, the the ginger tea or ginger, ginger, ginger candy, whatever, whatever you need for your stomach. That's a great thing. Um, do not do anything like fast or anything drastic like juicing or a detox. I miss that again. Your body's going through a process and you want to hydrate as much as possible. Hydrate yourself with healthy fluids. And they said, if you want to even get ahead of it, they said this one uh, doctor was saying, if you had a diet, like sort of Mediterranean diet, that was more like anti-inflammatory and Mm. focused on that, you can a like the response to the vaccine uh, has shown to be better in other like vaccine studies and also may help you with, you know, those little things like the headaches um, and other shit that can come along with the vaccine. Now, have they are there any findings around if you smoke a cigarette after getting the vaccine, will it pack in a bigger buzz? Um, um, it depends on how you smoke of it. Giving, <laughs> that's true of giving blood. Uh, so that's always I always rush outside to, you know, smoke a couple cigs. After if you I can power blood. hit it. And if you remember, the power <laughs> hit is where you put it between your pinky and your ring finger knuckle and then you cuff that against your other hand. <laughs> 
and you just mainline nicotine in your brain. <laughs> Shout out to all my power hitters out oh, there yeah, of cigarettes who tried to get a cheap buzz. Uh, yeah. Super producer Anna Hosnia just saying, yeah, overall, though, don't be partying on the vaccine because at the end of the day, you want to keep your uh, immune system up. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, take care of yourself. Use this as a time to, if you have the you know uh, ability to, to just go easy and stay hydrated. What do they say about um, licking doorknobs? Because once I get my second Fauci ouchie, I'm going to go ham. Yeah. No, I want <laughs> some doorknobs. Yeah. I've seen your TikTok where it's just <laughs> Eye of the Tiger and you're at a Home Depot licking all the doorknobs on display. <laughs> Damn. Then and I you're like yeah. getting ready Let's for see, like, get season. this colonial one in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a glass one. Love those. <laughs> <laughs> um,. Yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of things that are that are going to be possible for for a lot of us, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, mine's yeah. just been the idea. I was saying this on 420 Day Fiance with Sophia. I really just want to eat corn on the cob in a yeah. crowd. Yeah, in a crowd, just that, for whatever. Very specifically, that feeling of having like elote or some kind of big corn on just some corn cob and have people walking by me. I have no mask on. Feels like just mm-hmm. about the level of freedom I'm ready for right now. Crash mm. a funeral. Mm, thank you. <laughs> he lived how he died. He died <laughs> how he corn lived. On the cob. corn on the cob in a crowd. Before we move on to the next story, I do just want to say don't, don't, don't smoke after giving blood. Uh, you can get the same <laughs> effect from just spinning around, doing spinny bad. It just makes you dizzy. Uh, <laughs> Nicotine's bad. Uh, quick, don't do yeah, it. quick yeah, tip quick, for y'all. Quick tip. <laughs> But yeah, also don't power hit a pack of filterless Marlboro Reds after <laughs> right. you get blood. Or get I, I do want to say it because I like started smoking when I was like a teenager because I thought it looked cool. And uh, yeah, look, we were products of the eighties and nineties. Yeah, fought fought that thing for decades. Yeah, also just I mean, people like the the range of responses seems to be like anything from like it. A really bad like ache like on at the injection spot like can't sleep on that side of your body all the way to my wife when she got the second dose was like had a seemed like, like a pretty bad flu for yeah. uh twenty four hours and was like didn't want to tell anyone including me because she knew that I'd be like I'm not getting the vaccine no I'm just joking but, <laughs> this uh, is I told you it was at Damn that it. point where like the vaccine was very early cuz she's a physician so like she didn't want to like say anything to anyone about it like making her feel sick right right um, right see and that's the thing the this that's is the and problem. I get now we know why the scientists too are like <laughs> fuck you know because you don't so cuz some people are like, oh you feel sick what I thought it was supposed to protect you from the flu. And you say you have the... Oh, see? I'm just tired of seeing children be injured. (laughs) It's not how it works, idiot. Right. All right. Let's talk really briefly about uh, just where we're at in terms of the glut of uh, blockbusters that are just stored up in Hollywood vaults right now. Just backed up, huh? Backed up. Hollywood is backed up, baby. Oh, no. And uh, Scott Mendelson, one of my favorite writers on like the movie industry, used the... Did you guys see the Ghostbusters Afterlife like teaser with the little <laughs> yeah. Stay Puft Marshmallow in? <laughs> the Baby Yoda of, yeah, <laughs> of yeah. Ghostbusters. He was like, well, they should move up their release. Like, And maybe that's what this symbolizes, is that they're like testing the waters. But now that King Kong vs. Godzilla did like a really good 
uh, a robust business last week. Uh, he's like, there's now like all this unused real estate between now and the Memorial Day when people aren't dropping movies that they could use to release movies like Ghostbusters Afterlife. And there's just so many like James Bond has been in the can so long that they're having to like oh, right. update his clothes to make him <laughs> like look less dated. Oh no, it was uh, like the phone, right? Yeah, there was the like phone, product placement right. and yeah. like the whatever phone they use like, oh, we're like three models past that. Giving him a new haircut because oh. like he's got like the flock of seagulls haircut. It's been in the <laughs> can for so long. Um but it does, I don't know. It it's also like Hollywood, as we've talked about in the past, Hollywood is definitely not like a optimal like logic machine. A lot of it is studio executives realizing that if they release a movie that is a big flop, they will get fired. And so they tend right. to be more uh, conservative. And but that unfortunately, that fucks like people who are actors or, you know, crew and aren't just movies aren't getting made uh, now right. because they have the past two years of blockbusters that they're just sitting on. Um, but yeah. I would like to see this Ghostbusters movie. This is the first time that I've given a shit about it. And that's because of the cute marshmallow people. Oh, that's um, the whole that are point? stabbing each other and burning. Yeah, each other. so that's the thing is that they're cannibalistic <laughs> and like it just and like laughing as they're being like eaten. So there's like a real demonic like. Wait, the little Stay puff people are cannibals. Yeah, they're cannibals. They're oh, like, like a group of. They're smorzing each other. They're roasting each other with yeah, big smiles on their face skewer. as they're being yeah, like. like ah! Oh, wow. That's You see one like being that. like burned over a grill while the other one's <laughs> holding the skewer and the, the one of them Everyone's like having a good time. sliding down the skewer while his, <laughs> while his lower half is burning. Melting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And Paul Rudd is flummoxed. <laughs> this oh, it's Paul also, Rudd. Yeah, Paul Rudd is the lead. It, this also seems like something that they shot just to, that they were like, okay, as a response to Baby Yoda, we will be creating this baby specifically everything. for a uh, trailer but no that's a hundred percent in the movie <laughs> you think there's a hundred <laughs> percent like, in the movie it, it opens with him being like huh mocha almond fudge like just like a long <laughs> shot of him going ice cream shopping it's like there's no way that this advances any part of the plot like, at all what, what's happening uh but you know hopefully those little stay puff babies are in there because I love them. And yeah, and then just in terms of uh, streaming, there are some kind of big shows, shows that uh, Nielsen says are being like streamed as much as like anything uh, over the course of the pandemic that just nobody's talking about because I think we just don't really... They, because Netflix doesn't like treat each release and like even ahead of time doesn't know what's going to hit, you know, these shows that are probably being watched as much as like Desperate Housewives when that first hit. Right. And do you guys remember that like being a moment in culture where like all anyone talked about was Desperate Housewives? Wisteria like, Lane. Yeah, Wisteria Lane. Yeah. I never watched the show and I feel like I know what happens in that show because the first season was like such a phenomenon. 
Yeah, and then it set off the Real Housewives reality right. thing. Like, yeah, that shit fucked hugely influential to the point where passively, I'm like, yeah, Wisteria Lane, where they yeah. live. Yeah, but I've never seen the show. <laughs> yeah, I know the name of their street, and never, never watched a single moment of an actual episode. Uh, but there's a show called Ginny and Georgia, uh, which is like about a sexually empowered single mother, uh, her mixed race daughter, like moving to a new town. Uh, it's I don't know. It, it's my uh, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I saw parts of it. And it just seems like it's the sort of thing that if it were released on ABC today would be a hit. And people are just. Uh, There's also the show Virgin River uh, that seems to be very similar. I forget the name of that show, but we reviewed it. It was like a or it was a movie about a woman who like moved to a farm. Uh, No, she it wasn't Katie Holmes, but it was might as well have been. And she like leaves a she's getting a divorce and moves to a farm with her kids. It has Josh Dumel. And uh, he is an anti-vaxxer and a, uh, oh, no, it, not Josh Dumel. It has, it has one of those hunks. And uh, the, the male lead is like a, uh, the apoc- he's like an apocalypse prepper. Um, anyways, Virgin River oh. is about like a city girl from Los Angeles who goes to be a nurse in like a small town. So it's like got that same. It's a, cr- it's a holiday movie premise. Yes, very much so. That's a hol- that's what holiday movies are. Person from the big city yep. goes to little town and yep. learns what it means to live simply. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing like even with uh Ginny and Georgia, I just it you know these shows are big because they don't leave the top 10. Whenever yeah, I exactly. fire up Netflix and they say, "Do you want to continue Formula 1 Drive to Survive?" I say, "Yes." But what else They're is like, cracking right Ginny now? And oh, Ginny and Georgia is also on there. Okay, I see you. But yeah, it, for me it always takes like critical mass of like four people plus Anna Hosnier to tell me to watch it and then I'm like yeah. alright fine it's nailed on here we go Anna Hosnier might be the most influential streamer in America cause one, once this. she's on to something it's a uh, can we do like can we do like like bets like like big bets on like popularities of shows you know based on that you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. the stream whisperer Anna yeah like, uh, 10,000 down on Ginny and Georgia season 2 man I think he's gonna do numbers let me just yeah. find the Bridgerton name of this season damn show. Season two is gonna flop. It's gonna flop. Where's Reggae Jean? <laughs> uh, the show we were talking about was The Lost Husband, uh, and it was uh, Leslie Bibb, and and it was Josh Duhamel as the apocalypse prepper. But that it was interesting that like somebody who would ultimately be a would have ultimately raided the Capitol on January sixth is the <laughs> is the male lead of that right. show. Yeah. But so. was busy learning to love again. Yeah. <laughs> he learned to love the country again. Uh Steven, as always, such a pleasure having you, man. Where can people uh find you, follow you, all that good stuff? Uh you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Wilbur with an E. Uh, if you can't spell it, I don't want you to follow me. <laughs> I still have my my uh, my debut, my first debut album, Sixteen Bits, is out to listen to if you want on hey. Spotify or Pandora, I guess, uh, or you could buy it. <laughs> Who cares? Um, yeah, <laughs> that's it. A nod oh. to the original Sega Genesis Super Nintendo. 16 that's bits. right 
Mm-hmm. And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? Man, I was going through it and I was not loving anything. And then <laughs> Kevin O'Shea uh, at O'Shea Computer said, uh, <laughs> Seattle a bet. What city's above Tacoma? <laughs> that got me. Seattle, <laughs> what cities? That's pretty good. Oh, Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, Miles of Gray. Also, 420 Day Fiance. Oh, I've got some, I've got some tweets I'm liking and I'm loving them. First one uh, is from DJ Fuck at Eggshell Friend says, my grandpa saw you across the bar and we love your vibe. Can we inherit your chocolate factory? <laughs> <laughs> Another one is from, uh, this is Killer Meg at horse underscore feedback tweeting any beer under 5% is fine to give to children. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's that, that tracks. Um, Dan Coys, K-O-I-S tweeted, um, this interview absolutely delivers. It's from Slate. And the first is the title. It says, an interview with the guy who yells Mortal Kombat <laughs> in the theme for Mortal Kombat. Nearly three de- decades later, he still got it. And they, still at they, it. they go down in the interview. He just does an excerpt of this one part. It says, I see. Uh, will you do it over the phone? And the guy says, would I do it over the phone? Absolutely. Let's hear it. And it's just in text, Mortal Kombat with an exclamation point. But the guy hit him with the Mortal Kombat scream. And you love it. And then finally, uh, this one just felt right for everything we talked about. AJ at uh, Akumar underscore FTW tweeted, I faced more peer pressure in my life to start animes than do drugs. Mm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's that's the realest shit I think on the internet right now. (laughs) I've, I've tried to start Attack on Titan so many times, and I'm just not. <laughs> I guess I'm just not cool. <laughs> uh, in keeping with Steven, the theme of Steven's uh, tweet, AO Doc, two C's, tweeted, Call me Zach because I don't know what the F wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack <laughs> underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we recommend you go check out. Uh, yeah. Miles, what song should people be checking out? Man, if you remember, we had Illingsworth from Detroit on the show last yeah, week. Yeah. Uh, and another, I've just been listening. I, I hope y'all have been listening too. I hope you've been supporting him. But this is another Illingsworth track called Everhard, E V E R H A R D. And I'm just, I look, if you like that sample based hip hop, you know, if you're a Dilla fan, if you like just really choppy sample instrumental stuff, and he can rhyme too, you got to keep listening to our boy Illingsworth. So check this track out. Do it. Uh, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Thanks.